people underestimate how hard that transition is to turn your hobby podcast into something that might make you money. And there's a lot of people out there saying, like, just start something and then it's going to turn into something magical. Like it's a magical unicorn. And the reality of it is that's just not true. When you are trying to back into a monetization strategy, as opposed to do it from the front end, it takes a lot of time and a lot of experimenting, and you just don't know how they're going to react. Welcome to another episode of Listeners to Lead, where I'm helping podcasters launch and maintain a lead generating show. I'm your host, Alicia Galati, the CEO and head podcast strategist behind Galati Media, a full-service podcast management company. On this show, you'll hear my guests and I discuss everything it takes to launch a successful podcast and keep it running. If you're ready to get leads, land speaking gigs, and create deeper connections with your audience through your podcast, then this is the show for you. Today on the podcast, I have Betsy Wallace. She is giving so much gold about sponsorships, about monetizing your podcast, about making mini series. It is, oh, everything is just going to be so good. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. Be sure to listen out. She is even giving us numbers for how she structures her sponsorship, what those numbers look like, what her downloads look like. She's giving us all the gold. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. Let's go. Hello, Betsy. I am so excited to chat with you today. If you could just start by telling us who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your podcasts, because you have more than one. I do. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show and to talk about all things podcasting. I have a podcast called The Dinner Sisters that I host with my sister and we started in 2018. So that is going into year four here. It's a weekly show. We cook and review three new recipes for dinner each week. And then we get together on the show and talk about how it went. I have three kids. They're in elementary school and my sister is single and has no kids. So we make the recipe and then we talk about how it went. And then we talk about if we froze half of it or doubled the recipe and little hiccups and things that went awry, basically. And then we've got a great community with that. And so people are cooking along and making the recipes and it's really a fun project. So that has over 200 episodes at this time. And we do some interviews with cookbook authors. We've done some on-site travel interviews, and that's just really been a whole experience. And then I also produce podcasts and have a course. And so Capsule Podcasts is after doing four years of a weekly show, I realized, as a lot of podcasters realize, that is hard. Producing a weekly show can be, if, if it doesn't have a really aligned purpose and is making you money, to be just totally honest, it can be a hard thing to produce every week. So we were going to buy a house and I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if I could learn about this house buying process just from on a podcast from my realtor? I don't need to hear from this guy every week. In fact, I would prefer not to, but I do want to know. I want more information on these steps because there's a lot of confusing information that needs to be processed. And wouldn't it be amazing if this was available for me on a podcast instead of having to call this guy all the time and having him walk through some of this stuff that I know he probably has this conversation a million times 
every time he's got a new client. And as a podcaster, I thought, whoa, there are some people who could really use the podcasting format in a way that takes this sort of onboarding information or takes some of these really specific but lengthy and dense conversations and puts them into a mini series or something that I can consume that helps both of us have a better relationship and move through this process better. If I'm a kind of person who listens and learns, which I think a lot of people who listen to podcasts are. And so that's sort of how I came into the capsule podcast and specialized in these mini series is not because I think everyone needs a mini series or because I think everyone needs a weekly show, but I think there are people who could benefit from one or the other. And I think there are people who could benefit from having a podcast in their like suite of marketing tools, but don't need a show every week. I love that so much. We typically work with podcasters who are producing weekly or biweekly, some twice a week. So that's usually where I land and where our services land. But the idea of like a limited series or a capsule podcast, I love this so much because there are topics where it's like, you don't need to know 200 episodes worth of information. Like there's literally no reason. (laughs) Maybe it's not for your business or maybe it's a hobby podcast that you're just kind of toying around with an idea and you're like, hmm, maybe this will be a a good idea. Like earlier this year, we had launched a podcast about GMOs and we found during the market research that there aren't a lot of podcasts about GMOs, but there are a lot of episodes about GMOs. So sure, there might've been a space for this here, but the client wasn't an expert in GMOs. And so she was just going to be interviewing people who were experts in GMOs. And it was very difficult to get people, one, in higher education to come onto a podcast where they're like, what is a podcast? (laughs) But then two, to have conversations that were interesting to other people while still keeping that like aspect without having to do a weekly show or a biweekly show. And I told her this, I said, a limited series might end up being better for you. So even in that market research side, which I think the episode that comes out a few weeks before this, I go all into how to do your podcast market research. Don't forget to do your podcast market research, please, which I know I know you <laughs> yeah. have some feelings and thoughts on as well. So I'm excited to talk about this with you. How does that typically work? What do you recommend like size-wise for a mini series or a limited series? What's, you know, best practices or is it just like do what you want? So I think anywhere between three and six episodes works really well. So a great example here, I thought, is when I started looking around, I realized that that businesses are doing this. Big businesses with huge marketing departments and resources to produce a weekly show were still producing these limited one-off series as a way to get into podcasting and test the waters. So you would read the chief marketing officer talking about like Reebok made a three part series on a women's shoe. They released a basketball shoe and it was the inspiration behind the shoe, the story of its production, the story of the women that inspired this shoe. And that podcast was three episodes long, won a ton of awards. The chief marketing officer said, we're not sure if podcasting is a good fit for Reebok yet. This is a way for us to test the waters. It's really what more of us should be doing. Like your experience with the GMO, if we can't see a clear path, if we don't know if it's an immediate fit, how can we be smarter about this? If we want a podcast, maybe there's a different way to think about it and especially a different way to do it the first time so that we can do it and we have an off ramp in case we don't like it 
I mean, there's just a possibility that you might not like podcasting. You know? <laughs> and doing a limited series first gives you that experience. And then it gives you an off ramp to say, was this good for my brand? Does this fit with my workflow and what I like doing? Did I enjoy interviewing people? Or did this whole thing just feel heavy and hard? And maybe I want to pursue something else as a marketing strategy. I think it helps and that in-between space, because I know some people are very confident. They know exactly what their show is going to be like. They have a really clear picture of how this fits into their business. And that is great, like off to the races. But there's definitely some of us who are sort of in the in-between space. And a mini series can really help let you test the waters a little bit. Oh, so good. You worked on with this cooking podcast. Oh, man. I love sister podcasts because I'd created <laughs> one, a hobby podcast with my sister where we talked all about cults and the dynamic of sisters versus like friends who are co-hosts. It's so different mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun. So I'm a hundred percent behind that, but I know you have talked about some lessons that you've learned during monetizing that podcast, which obviously this is the listeners lead show. We're talking about getting leads from your podcast, making money, making, you know, let's get some cash money dollars in there. At first, it wasn't aligned with a business strategy. So I'm guessing it was more like a hobby, an idea like, hey, let's do this thing. It'll be fun. And then coming in with maybe we should do something else and make some money from this. What did that kind of process look like? So I think that people underestimate how hard that transition is to turn your hobby podcast into something that might make you money. And there's a lot of people out there saying, like, just start something and then it's going to turn into something magical. Like it's a magical unicorn. And the reality (laughs) reality of it is that's just not true. When you are trying to back into a monetization strategy, as opposed to do it from the front end, It takes a lot of time and a lot of experimenting, and you just don't know how they're going to react, what they might buy, Mm -hmm. what their tolerance is for ads on your podcast. There's a lot of experimenting that has to happen, and often that's not stress-free. Testing things out on your audience, that's a kind of like, so we clearly communicated that to our people. And they were really understanding. And we said, we're going to try some different things and see how we can make this work because we love doing this podcast and we have some goals with it. We'll take you on a journey here because it was crazy. (laughs) Right now we're on Buzzsprout and I know that you love Buzzsprout and we are huge super fans. We have been on four different podcast hosting (laughs) platforms with that show. We started on Squarespace because we weren't sure. We just natively hosted it on there because we weren't sure if this was something we really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Then we went to Libsyn. Totally great. And then we went over to Spreaker because we wanted to try their dynamic ad insertion paid program, which is tempting to people. And I will Mm -hmm. tell you how it was because I know a lot of these platforms say you can sign up for our dynamic ad insertion. You can make money on your podcast by letting us insert ads into your show. Hello, Anchor. (laughs) Uh, yes. <laughs> I get mad about Anchor. So if anyone's like, Anchor, nope. Anyone in my DMs who's like, I want to do Anchor, nope, just don't. <laughs> yeah. And you know what upsets me too is when people who have an obviously well-produced show they're paying for and they are monetizing through a strategy like yours where you're turning your listeners into leads and it's all very well thought out. And then they have an Anchor advertisement on there. I'm like, just stop. You're not on Anchor. You're not. Don't tell people to do this. This isn't. 
No. <laughs> Good way to start a show. So yes, we went to Spreaker and we did try the dynamic ad insertion and they had this I think this was 2019 because it was before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so they had said, we'll put you in this incubator program. We'll grow your show and we'll, we'll insert ads and you'll have control over the ads that are inserted. And so we tried that for a little bit. I think at the time we were probably getting maybe 2,500 downloads a week ish. We made between like 70 and $120 per month from them inserting pre-roll and a mid-roll. Oof structured our show to put a mid-roll in there because we do a like we try the episodes and then we have a break and then we do a smorgasbord section thinking that at some point we might might want to put a something in there but they don't level your set you know you see your ads it was they always played this firehouse sub ad i'm (laughs) laughing you guys can't see me (laughs) (laughs) blasting this out Our tipping points. So we did this for, you know, a little bit, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks or something. And our listeners were like, we love that you guys are trying to do this. We fully support you. It's a little, it's a little jarring, but we, we know this is hard. Yeah. We're here for your experimenting. So they were very considerate about it. It was Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend. And they put this Lowe's ad on the beginning of our show that was like an electric guitar riff, just like blasting into people's <laughs> I was like, what you all are selling, which is aligned ads with our show, which is what they're, when you talk to their sales rep, is what they say they will do. Yeah. Is not what they're actually doing. So we we left that because obviously the $70 Mm -hmm. a month is not worth all of this disruption. We tried (laughs) merch. So we did like some totes and some things like that. We made a little bit of money that way. Again, it's really the audience that you're gathering, right? So for us, these are people who like free recipes on the internet. It would be different if your show is people who are super yacht enthusiasts. Right. You you know, I mean, that's something you should also really consider. So then it was 2020. And I oh, we tried Patreon. Mm -hmm. So the thing about Patreon, because people ask me about Patreon all of the time, and there are some shows that do it really well. Your Patreon conversion, they say, is one to 5% of your listeners will convert that's really low yeah so again and they're converting at like five to ten dollars a month and then you have to do something extra for them so we were kind of in the same boat um, and we had talked to a couple of food podcasters also so everyone's making like a couple hundred bucks maybe two three hundred bucks kind of enough to cover things but you're also adding work because you're doing the patreon thing yep. so now you're producing a show and you're doing patreon so we still have the patreon and then now we have finally landed on we restructured our show so that we are in kind of we're, we're taking more regular breaks. And so we're like having seasonal sponsorship packages where we're using di- Buzzsprout. So when Buzzsprout rolled out their dynamic insertion, which I know you have a whole episode on yes. and everyone should go listen to it because it's amazing and has so many good ideas. That is actually what kind of cracked the code for us because then we could sell a package. For, so we only work with food brands, mostly small food brands. Now we've got, you know, 10 to 15,000 downloads in this like four week package or 20, we can go to 2025 if it's six weeks, you know, and we'll do our email list. We'll post in the Facebook group. So we do what is kind of like an influencer style Mm -hmm. stack for a sponsorship. I mean, I would not suggest anyone do that. Like you can (laughs) back yourself into a strategy, but it's tough. It's so much work too. And you have to prove to these sponsors, like I'm pulling together a very similar pack for one of my clients. She does yearly sponsors. She 
had gone with the same sponsor two years in a row. So there wasn't really anything I needed to do last year, but this year she's moving to a new one. And so we're pulling together the pack of like, not only do they get, we're also looking at the pre-roll that Buzzsprout has for their dynamic content and just having maybe a little snippet that says this episode is sponsored by name instead of, like you said, guitar riff, a minute and a half ad in the beginning, like people get turned off so quickly by those ads. If you just have something very small and simple. So if you're promoting your business, we had talked recently about a, they had created this imaginary podcast for a dog or a dog trainer. So you could say, all right, this podcast is sponsored by my online dog training course, and then get right into the content. If you want more, more details, check the show notes or stay tuned for more kind of tease it and then go into the content. This whole idea of like putting these massive ads in the beginning, especially if they're not entirely like aligned with who you are and what your brand is, they can turn new listeners off so quickly, which if your goal is to grow your show and make money with your show, you don't want to turn them off. So you said a few things that I'm like, okay, I want to pull these things out. You said that you were talking to your audience And I'm guessing you have a very active audience. So a few of the people that have reached out to me and said, okay, how do I get people to talk back to me? So I want to know how you get people to talk back to you with your listeners. How do you get them to engage with you, whether that's via social media or via email, or what does that look like for you guys? Yes, we do communicate very often with our audience, which is great. So from Almost the beginning, we have had a Facebook group and we tell people to go to the Facebook group. And I think this works. It works for food because they, it'll be funny. We'll release an episode on Sunday and by Tuesday, someone will have made one of the recipes and chimed in with what, how they thought it went as opposed to how we thought it went or something. People are always in that group cooking what we have made and sharing recipes with each other. And that's really how we get a lot of feedback is we just go in there and talk to people. I have heard people, if you're not doing cooking, but just to say, if you're listening to the subject matter, listening is one thing, but if you want to do the work, because often there are things that you're giving advice for people to do or talking about something, then come to the Facebook group and we're going to be doing that work this week. We're going to be continuing the conversation and that often pulls people off and then have those conversations. Like make sure you're... And they're talking and I think it just helps. We often talk on the podcast about the discussions that are happening in the Facebook group as a teaser and as a way to let people know there's kind of this engagement that they're missing out on. And that's a way for them to connect with other listeners and do that. So we seed that back and forth. And then we always encourage people to email us. And when they do email us, we email them right back. So important. Talk back to them. <laughs> oh, I love this. You're kind of teasing the the Facebook group, but then also engaging people. And I think I do agree. It works really well for your subject matter because people are engaging. They're creating these recipes too. So now I want to go check it out because I'm always trying to figure out what in the world to cook for dinner. So now I need to go figure this out. So if anybody's wondering, we're going to at the end ask Betsy where to find her and where to hang out with her and where to listen to her (laughs) shows. So we're going to do that. (laughs) On to the other thing that I was thinking of was what does that stack look like for you? Like financially, if you're okay sharing that as well as like, breaking down, okay, this is exactly what they're getting. 
in saying that, I know in the dynamic content episode, I mentioned letting people know, hey, you're getting this slot. And I know Buzzsprout only has pre-roll and post-roll right now. But you get the, hey, you can buy this post-roll spot for the next four months, but you don't just get those four episodes worth of downloads. You get all of the podcast episodes, downloads, and you're getting listened to by everyone, even the new people who come in and maybe start at the beginning. What does that kind of breakdown look like to make you more attractive to a sponsor? We have packages and how I've set this up. First of all, I'm not getting rich on this podcast, so I will share with you all the numbers. And also it's a good reminder of that you're monetizing shows through sponsorships. I think it also is hugely important. It's so niche mm-hmm. dependent. So in food where I am, we are doing so for $2,500 is one of our is our kind of top tier package. And what we do is I put everything in that. And then I say, or there's a gold, silver, bronze thing where you just get less as you go down. So for that, we do a pre-roll ad for, I think it's six weeks, and we can guarantee 25,000 downloads, I think, during that, during the six-week time. And then two mentions in the Facebook group, a mention in the email newsletter. We will do, if they want, we'll do an interview with a person. So since we're being really selective about the brands we're working with now, they're like people we would interview anyways. And who we know that our people would love mm-hmm. to hear from. So we're like, our people would love to hear from this brand. This would be super cool if they could hear about this like organic yoga brand that we all love, right? Like talk to someone about the process because we do those things anyways for companies, sometimes one off when we know it's just a really good fit. People love that behind mm-hmm. the scenes stuff. So we'll put that in as a bonus. So that's how we stack it. And it goes from 2,500 and then it's 1250. And then 750 just for the like 30 second pre-roll and none of the other things. So good. So I just tried to kind of figure out our total influence and what we can do and offer and then subtract as we go down. I think people get so bogged down with like, oh, but I only have X amount of downloads. And especially if they're a niched podcast, that's okay. Like you're not going to be expected we have one client where they are doing helping people create web design businesses. And then we have another client that is in astrology. Their audiences are vastly different. The web designed one is going to be so niche and the things that they're going to promote to them are going to be so aligned with what these people need that it'll be worth sponsors to go and give them money. Whereas the astrology one, it's going to be a little harder to really narrow down what the majority of your audience wants other than things that the host can promote because they obviously love the host. But that audience is going to be a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be harder to engage with them and find them and get them like, okay, well, what do you guys like Casper mattress? <laughs> or is it stupid to promote that? Right? I know every, I, we always riff on <laughs> Casper mattress. I don't know if they're good or not. Could not tell you. I just know that all the big brand, all the big podcasts are always having Casper mattress. Blah, 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 blah. It's the Casper <laughs> mattress and the Rothy shoes. It was remember when yep. that was like, you could not turn a podcast down without hearing about the Rothy shoes and the Casper mattresses. <laughs> yes. for a while and then there. Peloton. Like yes. it just it's getting outrageous, guys. Talk about stuff that you actually like and use. That's all I have to say. 
I'm so happy. Thank you so much for like sharing those behind the scenes stuff because I don't think people realize how much it really takes to make a podcast attractive, especially for someone as niche as food. And like some food brands might be like, what is a podcast and why would I want to be? <laughs> you know, like- I'll tell you a good story about that. So I got on the phone with a tofu brand. This is probably about a year ago. It was the brand manager and his like two junior assistants. And they said they are so into podcasts. They're so excited about this. They love it. They love it. They love podcasts. And then one of the assistants said, well, I just don't understand how something like food can transfer to podcasts. You need to see it. And you can't see it on a a podcast. I'm just not able to wrap my head around this. And I said, well, I mean, our show numbers show that people like this and enjoy consuming content that way. And not everyone, not everyone does need to see the food. And some people want to listen on their commute about what they might have for dinner. And there's just a lot of different ways to engage people with the question of what, what they're going to have for dinner. And this is one of them, right? And it's, and it's fresh and new and exciting and innovative. And they were like, oh, maybe. And I mean, we had been, I had been back and forth with these people for weeks and we are finally on this call. And he said, so what if I sent you a t-shirt and you wore it on Instagram and we would pay you for that? And I was just like, oh I'm guessing this is a young man who has never had to cook for a family. And like his life is not the same as your listeners, right? right. Your listeners consists primarily of, just from what you've told me, moms or young women who are 25 to probably 45, trying to either save money by cooking at home, are looking for new recipes, new ideas, are maybe sick of the food delivery services. And they're just like, I want to be able to cook something, something new, something different that I feel that tastes good, that I feel good about making. And I want somebody else to try it first. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And we actually, a really fun discovery we've made through this podcast, which I am like looking forward to this as a phase of life for myself, is empty nesters who are now cooking just for themselves and are excited about finding new recipes and experimenting a little more, which has been really fun. And I love those people specifically because it gives me this, like I have something to look forward to as I... (laughs) As my kids leave the house <laughs> in yeah. elementary school, but like, you know, at some point. Right. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he just didn't, he couldn't really understand podcasts. He didn't really understand the audience. And I think we also sometimes underestimate how many of those conversations you need to have before you come across someone who does understand all of those things. And in podcasting, especially, it is not a given that someone in 2021 is realizing the full value and potential of a podcast sponsorship. There's education that has to go into it too, which is on you as the person that's going out there trying to make these deals happen. And it's so interesting because people just see brands like Spotify dropping millions of dollars on podcasts and they're like, I need to get in on that. But I don't know why or how. (laughs) So it it is on you to educate them and to really, when you do send that pitch deck, say, this is my audience. This is why it makes sense. These are the things they're buying. This is the influence that we're having on them and they're purchasing. Pay us money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
it's funny because you hit it on the head there where everyone is excited about podcasts, but when you talk to them about doing a podcast sponsorship deal, there's a disconnect there still because people are quite sure how to also sell it up the chain. If you're working with a person who has a manager or who has someone else, they need to kind of, even if they believe in podcasting, now they need to convince someone else who makes the decisions who may not be as familiar with podcasting as a medium. So providing all of that information, I even have an extra kind of attachment that I send along just about why podcasting is valuable. Just those Nielsen's, the statistics mm-hmm. that are like, people listen to this much of an episode. This is, this is the predictions for podcast growth. This is all of that kind of stuff in case they need that to take to the decision maker in their organization. Oh, that's so good. Those are such great strategies. I literally could just keep talking to you forever. So if you could just <laughs> tell everybody where they can go hang out with you and you and I are going to have set, probably have to come back and like have another conversation because this was so good. Where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast and your Facebook group and hang out with you and all of that. Yeah, I love it. And it's funny because when we connected and then I've been listening to your show and I'm just, I just sit there and I'm like, yes, yes. Can everyone please listen to this show before they start a podcast? <laughs> this is all the information you need. Please listen Thank to this. Thank you. <laughs> so I love it. And it's so smart. There's so much bad advice out there. I was just really, really appreciative of you giving all of the good advice that people needed here. So yes, if you you. want to connect with me, my show, my dinner show is called The Dinner Sisters. Wherever you do your podcasts, you can look for us in Facebook. Their Facebook group is The Dinner Sisters. You can just search for us on there. We have a website. And Capsule Podcast is the production side of it. So if you are someone who is like, let me see what other people are doing with Capsule Podcasts, you can also find me over. They're doing behind the scenes work. Yeah, limited series are not our jam. So if you're like looking for that kind of support, go to Batsy and I'll definitely if anyone comes to me, I'm gonna send them your way. (laughs) I don't really like those. I think they're great, though. I like obviously, like we've said, they're so stinking valuable. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this. Such great stuff. Can't wait for everybody to listen. I was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Listeners to Leads. If you found something in this episode valuable, I would really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend who you know would also get value from it. Want to send me a message? My favorite place to hang out is Instagram. You can find me at alicia.lottie. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was from the episode. And don't forget, turning those listeners into leads is actually easy. 